he came over and he was like, look, guys, you've got two options. You pay again or you try to leave and the police will turn up. Welcome to this episode of Tripology. I'm Alan, and I'm here with the ever unsuspecting Adam. Oh, Alan, how are you doing today? I'm oh, really good today. I'm feeling all silly and giddy and wily and ready to go. Me too, mate. Do you know what? I've just started a new morning routine. After speaking with Will Hatton on the previous episode, he was really inspiring and talking to us about getting into good habits. And every single morning since, I've been swimming in the lake. (laughs) In what lake? The lake? The lake, next to where I live. As avid fans will know, and you know because you've been here, I live very close to Okanagan Lake, which is a huge lake through British Columbia. It's literally at the end of my road, and... It's it's a little bit warmer than I would like at the moment. It's 35 degrees, usually by about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. But my goodness, does that get you in the mood for a good day? Well, it's good for you, that. Polar plunge, you get all sorts of heat shock proteins and things like that. It's been used since time immemorial by the people of Norway to get ready for the day. So I, I bet it's good for you. It's really good. And it's funny that where we're from, you wouldn't. You wouldn't dare swim in a lake, would you? No, certainly not. But that's more because of pollutants than because of the icy cold. But in Canada, I did some little polar plungings up in the mountains and I felt invigorated for it. It's dopamine that lasts throughout the day. How long were you in the water for at those temperatures? Sometimes I'd be in there all night. (laughs) (laughs) I'd come out like a little ice cube at the end of it. (laughs) Anyway, Adam, I called you unsuspecting because I've had something on my mind for this last little bit and I'm wondering if you can just talk it through with me. Yeah, this is another one of your curveballs, is it? Yeah, I'm going to throw a wee curveball at you. I've been living in Scotland for too long. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to throw a curveball at you because I've been thinking about scams. Right, gotcha. What it is, is I got an email from a Nigerian prince the other day, and it got me thinking about my past, travelling all over the world. And I was thinking, if this Nigerian prince really loves me, is it true that those other people that scammed me while I was travelling truly had no feelings for me at all? And I was thinking about all times that I'd kind of come under fire for potential scams or things that I thought might have been scams or things that were scams and were avoided. or You know, I was just thinking about the whole gamut of them. Have you ever encountered a scam? I have, yeah, yeah. It's something that we we encounter when we're backpacking or even when when we're on holiday. But it is important to differentiate a scam from the tourist tax that we all have applied to things that we buy around the world. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's easy to say. You, like, see a conch shell on sale for 50 euros in in Tibet, and you go, that's a scam, that's way too pricey. But that's not a real scam, is it? It's just, like, an overpriced conch. Yeah, do you buy souvenirs typically when you go away? Literally never bought one. No, I don't think I have either. When you go to local markets and what have you, I eat food through the roof. I mean, you know, don't get it twisted. I will eat until I can't move. But when it comes to buying local trinkets and things, I 
I've just I've never done it. It's just something else to carry. Yeah, I think once in Asia, I bought like a bamboo jaw harp that I just played until it broke. But I, I don't really consider that a souvenir. It was just a musical instrument. But it was from one of those sort of bartery style stores. Yeah, I, I failed to to understand how you have been tricked or scammed because you're you're bloody intelligent. And I would have thought you would have seen that kind of thing coming from a mile off. Well, it was a younger me. When I was first started traveling, I tell you what, I got scammed very early on when I was in China. And I fell for a scam that some of the listeners might have heard of. And I know that you've heard of it. But (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the full story of it. I was walking to go to the, is it called the Forbidden Temple? Yeah, the Forbidden City. The Forbidden City, yeah. I was walking to go to see the Forbidden City. And I was there in, in Beijing. And as I was approaching what I believed to be this sort of entrance to the Forbidden City, I was approached by a very large Chinese gentleman who said to me, oh, are you here for the Forbidden City? (laughs) And I thought, this seems like a friendly chap. Yes, I am here for the Forbidden City. And he said, it's closed, I'm afraid. Like, you can't go. It's closed on Wednesdays, the Forbidden City. Yeah. Everyone knows that. <laughs> it's forbidden on it, Wednesdays. Exactly. And so he got talking to me and explained that he was uh, a businessman in Shanghai and he was just visiting Beijing. And, oh, he seemed very interested in me as a, as a Westerner visiting the place, asking me all sorts of questions. And he said, oh, well... You know, I'm on a break from work and you're not going to go to the Forbidden City anymore. So we just like go and grab some food together. I'm really interested in practicing my English and all this stuff. Right. And me, I'd been traveling for maybe two weeks at this point. And I thought, this is a great opportunity to like chat with a local person. I've not really met any Chinese people who weren't in the context of like, I was teaching English, uh, English school. And then, you know, there were other Chinese teachers there. Yeah. So... I thought this was a golden opportunity. I was like, oh, this guy's really friendly. I'll go and have a drink with him. And we ended up in this sort of little back street bar where we were drinking beer, glass by the glass. And he was telling me sort of his life story. He was showing me pictures of his family members. And we had maybe three or four drinks together. Right. And then he was like, we'll split the bill. And the bill came out to an exorbitant amount of money. It was like 50 pounds. Which is maybe more than you'd expect. Each, right? Way too much for four glasses of beer or whatever. Yeah. So from that perspective, it was a scam. And suddenly, when it got to the point where I like questioned the bill, I was like, hold on, 50 pounds for like four glasses of beer? Suddenly, the people behind the counter kind of transformed into quite burly, bouncery style people. And I was like, okay, I'm not safe to argue here. Right. People kind of got up from their chairs and it was suddenly like, this. you've got to pay this money. My goodness. So a couple of different schools of thought there, though. This is a variation on a common travel scam called the tea room scam, right? And in the traditional tea room scam, it will be a couple of attractive girls who will like offer to take you into a tea house. They'll drink some tea with you and then they'll leave you with the bill. And sometimes I've heard of this bill being north of like a thousand dollars. It can get absolutely crazy. Wow. So this was a variation of that scam. And I actually knew about the tea room scam when this happened to me. I just didn't make the connection at all. Did you really? Wow. Yeah, 100%. I knew about the tea room scam. Smooth operator. I just had no idea that that was what was going on. 
but 50 quid is getting off really lightly and I wonder if the guy kind of took pity on me. I started to suspect it was a scam by the end though, so after I had paid the money, I was like, hey, can I take a picture of you? Thinking like, I want a picture of this guy for posterity. And he said, no, I can't have a picture with you. I'm a Buddhist. And he sort of dashed off. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's um, that's interesting because you were you knew of the scam already, but you didn't think it could have been a scam until the very end, right? So did you just think when the bill came that it was just a really expensive bar? Up until the bill came, I had no idea what things were costing at all. Right, this okay. was the thing. I was quite naive. So I had no idea that it was a scam at all until the bill came. Sure. And I was totally un unconcerned with what the price of things were because I was conditioned for, like, China being cheaper than I yeah, of would spend on anything back home. So I just thought it was going to be a nice, easy, like, I can pay whatever. And then you got out of it by paying the bill, I assume. Yeah, and in that situation, I had no choice but to pay the bill. Like, if it was more the money, then I would have been screwed. Did you have to pay his half? Or did he seemingly pay? He said he put his card in the machine seemingly to pay, but he obviously had some sort of deal with the staff there, right? Yeah, and when it came to the choice of the cafe that you went to, who chose? Oh, he was like, I know a place, let's go around right. here. Right, yeah. because that's very typical of this scam, isn't it? They're all in cahoots with each other. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I remember at the time, I was really, really disappointed. Like I say, I'd only been travelling for a couple of weeks, and... As it unfolded, I had this realisation that it was a scam. And I had this crash of being like, one minute thinking, what a great opportunity. I'm talking with a local, I'm interacting. I was really enjoying chatting with him, learning about his family, having a few drinks. And then this realisation that it was a scam and I'd been taken for it and I was a fool and an idiot. And of course, the Forbidden City isn't closed on Wednesdays. It all just became so <laughs> obvious. And then I was like, goodness, you're so naive. You've got to buck your ideas up if you want to travel for a long time. Like, you can't be taken for this sort of thing. Yeah, it's really easy to beat yourself up. But then I also had the thought, I would rather say yes to experiences and come unstuck occasionally than be really closed off all the time and lose out on potential open experiences. So I think there's a fine line to draw, but obviously just I needed more experience and to guard myself a little better. Yeah, yeah, you'll be interested to know this is one more thing that we have in common now because I've been done by the very same scam in exactly the same place. <laughs> you got done by the Beijing Tea Room scam. Tell me I about did. it. So I was actually exiting the Forbidden City. So I had already been and I was with my French friend who I mentioned on a previous episode that we did the, the Great Wall together. And we were walking out. We'd had a, a lovely morning. And we had already decided amongst ourselves that we should go and get some food because it was around lunchtime. So I remember us walking out and we were approached just outside the exit by these two young ladies, Chinese ladies. Yeah. And they came over and started talking to us in English. Attractive, were they? <laughs> One of them was very attractive. Yeah. And, and I remember them saying to me, is this the entrance? <sighs> Because we're trying to visit the Forbidden City, but we don't know how to get in. And I remember thinking, that's pretty strange. Why are they asking two tourists? Because they had previously told us they were from Shanghai. Yeah. We're, we're from Shanghai. We're visiting here. We're tourists as well. My guy was from Shanghai too. Is this how we get into the Forbidden City? And I was thinking, well, no. I mean, all the signs are written in Chinese and English. Surely, surely they would be able to work out. 
what how how to get in you know I was just pretty baffled at that moment and then they started asking us more and more questions their English was exceptional and they said uh you know what what are you going to do now we'd love to just hang around with you and practice our English and stuff and I didn't think too much of it to be honest I thought yeah well I mean why not you can join us there's no issue there we're going to go and grab some food you're welcome to come along so there we were walking into the nearby neighborhood and this is the thing that threw me because we chose the restaurant right okay which was you know quite strange so when I look back and think about how the series of events unfolded they didn't dictate where we went we were just going to get some food we walked down a nearby street there was some karaoke bar that looked pretty cool so we went in there and it's funny when you think about the scam as a whole because I've tried to justify it since then because I actually had a really good afternoon we spent three hours in this cafe <laughs> drinking beer and tea some snacks came some food came then we had some more drinks and they were just taking control they were ordering everything yeah we hired the little room at the back yeah we didn't know, in hindsight, we didn't know that the karaoke room would cost extra. But we were just getting stuck in. We were just having a really good afternoon. Us four, singing, drinking, getting drunk, you know, shouting and, and having loads of fun. And then the bill came. <laughs> and as we know, I'm a serial planner. I like to sort of budget and think about things um, you know, in terms of how much things cost, I've got normally a, a track in my head of roughly how much I'm spending, even if I'm not noting it down. And the bill came and it was just under 200 euros. Oh my God, 200 euros. Yeah, and we'd just been in there for a couple of hours. Why is it in euros? Because I did the, I was doing the, the exchange in my, uh, you know, my phone. I was working out how much. Did you have euros at that point? No. Your money was in euros? No, I didn't have euros. And i tell you who else didn't. My French mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the young students, they said, oh, we've got student cards, but they don't seem to work in the machine. And, and uh, is it okay if you pay the bill and then we'll, we'll go and take some money out and we'll give you the money back? And then I started to put two and two together and I was thinking, hang on a second. Um, the bill was already far more than we were expecting. But again, I feel like we could have, it could have been worse, right? We got off quite lightly. 200 euros is, you know, acceptable with two people. Yeah. My poor mate, he didn't have any money on him and his credit card wasn't working or anything. So he I was scamming you as well. <laughs> he was in on it. Oh, Adam, my card. I've got one of those student cards as well. <laughs> But much like your story, the bouncers, they just come out the come out the walls almost, don't they? I'm like, yeah. where the hell were these massive guys on the way in? Now they're really intimidating. What was once a very diminutive Beijing man sat behind a counter unraveled like a python to become this huge colossus? Yeah, I don't know. It was just such a strange ending to what was actually quite a nice afternoon. And then as we walked out, they... They skidaddled, the two women. They just bounced. They they were off like a shot. Oh, you know? no. So we paid the bill. And obviously between me and my mate. You were like, can I take a picture? They were going, we're bodists. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the help with the English. Um, but no, it was, I remember talking to my mate as we were walking out and we were both saying to each other, do you think that was a scam? 
<laughs> and and then we were trying to sort of work out how much the beer would have had to have been and how much the rental of the room would have had to have been and i remember sometimes some of the conversation was well hang on maybe that is roughly the price and maybe it wasn't a scab we were just so naive to it all and we didn't want to accept that we had in fact been duped i made the exact same justifications i was like hold on well if the beer was 10 pounds each <laughs> Which is, which, you know, to be fair, Beijing is the capital city. So yeah, exactly. those, are, those are city prices. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> but, you know, we were, when we had accepted between us that we had been scammed, we were fuming. We were so angry with ourselves and with with the scam itself. And I remember us sort of, we were going around telling other tourists, you know, proactively saying, hey, look, there are some people out to scam you. If these girls tell you they want to speak English, then <laughs> just don't believe them. They don't like karaoke at all. They've, they've got no honour. They don't believe in the art of karaoke. <laughs> and I'm beginning to suspect they weren't even Buddhists. That was, but then, you know, when you look back on it as well, you think, how on earth could I have been so silly that two women from Shanghai are asking me where the exit or the entrance of a tourist attraction is. <laughs> it's wild how much less naive you get as you travel, right? Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, maybe traveling isn't the right occupation for you because <laughs> surely you can't just blitz around the world getting scammed again and again. Adam, I want to talk about scams a little bit more because I want to talk about the most popular scams, the kind of thing that you want to be on guard for if you do decide to take a long trip around the world. Don't be like Adam and I, thinking you're in pervious to scams, bowling off to Beijing with a sort of egoic armour about yourself, thinking, no, no, I won't succumb to a scam. We want to talk about all kinds of potential scams so you can arm yourself. And now's a good time to say that if you're listening to this thinking, God, that was me, I got scammed, send us an email, tropologypodcast at gmail.com or an Instagram at tropologypodcast. Don't worry, while you're sending that email, typing that DM or taking a picture of yourself as a scam's actually happening we won't hasten on with the show we're going to go on a brief meditation break give you time to send that email pickpocketed duped taken for a taxi ride for an inconceivable amount of money. Scams, they're something that befall us all, potentially, at some point as we're sort of meandering about the planet. And what are some other scams that we both think about? Adam, I mentioned then just being overcharged for a taxi ride. Yeah. That happened to me in Vietnam a couple of times. We got in an Uber and they took a very circuitous route to the destination that we were supposed to arrive at. Oh, but okay. thank goodness you can see that they're doing that in Uber. I looked at the location that they picked us up versus the location that we were going to. And they made like a figure of eight three times around Hanoi. So we were able to contact Uber and get the price refunded. Protect yourself from taxi scams using a ride share online service what are some of the scams that you like i like wow that seems fairly elaborate i mean there are 
taxis are involved quite heavily in a number of scams and they can take many different shapes. So sometimes they might say the meter's broken and then they charge you an exorbitant amount. Mm. I've even heard of really sinister ones where they'll drop you off in a location that is close to where you're staying. Maybe it's a nearby neighborhood and there's a gang waiting for you. Oh, that's dark. It is dark. And they just drop you off ready to be pickpocketed. The gang's paying them a fee, that sort of thing. Yeah, I know. It's horrible to think about. And please don't listen to this and think that that's going to happen everywhere you go because the likelihood is it's not. But there are certain ways that you can arm yourself. Paints a macabre picture. I just actually might be worth sharing this because... I probably jumped the gun, but I do think it's important to have this at the forefront of your mind if things like this happen. When I was in Mexico City, you remember like the other month, imagine you're there, you arrive in Mexico City, it's 10 o'clock at night, and I had to get a taxi to where I was staying. So where I was staying, I don't know if you've been to Mexico City, actually I know for a fact you haven't, (laughs) but... Ten Oxitlan. Yeah, it um, it was really late and I thought, look, Just get there. You don't know the city. It's your first time. Just get in a cab from the airport and go straight to the hostel. Now, when I arrived, I got a taxi from the rank at the airport. It was all very well organized and stress-free. And I made sure I asked the person at the taxi rank, do I pay the taxi driver any money? She said, no, you pay the full fare here. You won't be giving him anything. So when I got in the cab, they had already communicated my address. And then as we got out the airport, we're now driving through towards uh, where I'm staying. The first thing that he said to me was, there have been some demonstrations today, some manifestations and protests. Therefore, some of the city has been closed off. I'm not going to be able to get you to your hostel. I'm going to have to drop you off in a nearby location. And all of a sudden, you know, the danger signs are flashing and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I'm about to get robbed and I'm coming from the airport. I've got all of my stuff. You know, if there's one time you do not want to get robbed, it's on your way to an airport or on the way back from it. A hundred percent. So I was really quite worried, actually. Yeah. And then in broken Spanish, I told him that I had some friends who were already at the hostel who was they were waiting for me. They were expecting me. They knew that I had arrived (laughs) and they hadn't mentioned one thing about a manifestation or a protest. And he was quite surprised. He was like, oh, really? Well, you know, they have been happening. So sometimes doing things like that, lo and behold, we ended up going straight to the hostel and I was dropped off outside the front door. Nice. Protection. You know, would that have happened anyway? I'm not sure. It did turn out, actually, that there were protests and some of the city had been shut off. So that was definitely true. But was it my quick thinking that kept me safe? Who knows? It's an interesting concept because me and you are so zealous now, having been scammed once before and now very experienced travellers. We're very, very zealous. Just recently when I was in Morocco, I arrived at a bus station with my pre-printed bus ticket and the guy was like, oh, that bus is cancelled get on a new bus and I immediately was like absolutely not that's mm-hmm. like I know that game I know your game my <laughs> bus isn't cancelled at all so I like took myself out of that situation like left recalibrated recouped and then did learn that my bus had actually been cancelled so I didn't need to buy a new ticket but I had the zealous mindset of someone who wasn't prepared to get scammed and I would argue that that's probably better than me just going cancelled you say i'll buy three tickets yeah it's difficult and then not approach situations like that with um you're just so ready 
for not a confrontation or anything, but there's a level of distrust that you then have for, for situations like that, which is really unfortunate, I think. This is the worst thing about scam artists, right, is that they paint their country in a bad light and mm. travellers in general will be on guard and be less open to trusting someone saying something like your bus has been cancelled, regardless of how helpful they're trying to be. It's a shame. So if you're there thinking of doing a little scam, you got to think about the consequences. Have you heard of the infamous poo-on-a-shoe scam or other sort of viscous liquid scam? Poo-on-a-shoe scam? Poo-on-a-shoe scam is very common in some parts of the world. And it also takes the form of like bird guano or maybe a sauce like ketchup or mustard. What's the scam? The scam is, Adam, two people in cahoots. Imagine it's me and you. We're on the streets. One of us squirts ketchup, flings poo, throws bird muck, all kinds of viscous liquids at someone. (laughs) In that order. In that order, yeah. yeah. And then the other person comes along and goes, oh, no, you got poo all over you. I'll clean it off. Mm. And then they clean it off and charge them an indomitable fee. Or they use the discretion of the poo to pickpocket them. Wow. Okay. Well... I hadn't heard of that, but I can easily imagine it. And The best thing you can do if you get poo on your shoe is to run crying in the opposite direction, making as much of a scene as possible. Do you know what? In Mexico City, you've just twigged me, twigged my memory. A guy dived at my feet. You know, sometimes you see in, in um, cities, they'll have people who polish your shoes. Yeah. It'll be like a service that's offered. One guy, he just got down on on his hands and knees as I was walking down the street, took a dive at my feet and started polishing one of my shoes and going, oh, yeah, look, I can do this for you and all this kind of stuff. I was like, whoa, whoa, get off, get off, get off. And he was like, no, no, it's only going to cost. And he just carried on doing it and telling me the price. And I was like, mate, just leave it. And... He actually did a really bad job and left me with a scuff mark across one of my shoes. <laughs> did you pay him? No, I didn't pay him a dime. <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about then about protecting yourself from these scams because I think one of the key defences in the traveller's arsenal against getting that kind of scam, because that's very common, they'll mm-hmm. tie a bracelet around your arm in some places, they'll polish your shoes without asking or something like that, or you, sometimes they'll put like an animal that they have in captivity. We mm. talked about those macaques in Morocco being something which infuriated me but they'll like yeah put put you with the animal and then take a picture and then be like oh you took a picture oh, you gotta pay this is sort of common stuff the best way to avoid it is be assertive being assertive is a very powerful tool in the traveler's arsenal say no absolutely not don't want that bracelet don't want that picture don't want you uh polish me shoes yeah definitely and i think just being aware of them from the outset these types of scams and being able to very quickly identify when something is a scam uh, or even if you're getting overcharged for something that's going to stand you in good stead it's difficult to do without experience though because some people and i would say probably the majority of people locals are just lovely warm friendly people really important point to make we talk about scams and if we're doing an episode on scams it can make the world seem all dark and melancholy but the vast majority of times people are just lovely and over the 10 years of me traveling i think i have encountered just one or two people who are trying to do me any kind of harm financial or otherwise it's a really common one, it's worth saying, that idea of like, oh, the place where you're going is closed. 
let me take you somewhere else. Once I jumped in a tuk-tuk in Yogyakarta in Indonesia and I wanted to go to this specific temple and the guy I jumped in the tuk-tuk with was like, oh, I'm not going to take you to the temple because it's closed. I'm taking you to this village. <laughs> and he like, it was on the way and we got there. Despite my protesting, we kind of pulled up to this village and he was like, oh, just come quickly into my mum's shop. She's making wood carvings and stuff like that. And... I, of course, didn't buy any of the wood carvings, but I was probably too polite in getting out and taking a look, and I wasn't assertive enough, and it was just an awkward situation. Yeah, it certainly does um, paint a a bad picture for some experiences. I was, funnily enough, I was in Yogyakarta a couple of years ago, and I was invited into an art gallery, because it's quite an artsy city, isn't it? Very, yeah. Sort of cultural, and it's lovely to walk around. I really did enjoy it. Highly recommend. But I remember going to a market, and then there was a gentleman in the market who started talking English with us, but he's an Indonesian guy. And he said, oh, I've got an art gallery down the road. Would you like to come and have a look at a few paintings and stuff? This happens in Yogyakarta all the time. And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, okay, sure open to anything and interested in what he was doing and he was really charismatic as well so there we are we enter into the art shop and then all of a sudden we're handed some free tea and then immediately after drinking the tea and having a look around the shop the dread started to set in and I was thinking oh my god well now I've just been drugged and I'm going to spend you know thousands of dollars on a piece of art that I don't want did you think the tea had been drugged I thought the tea had been drugged and that's the unfortunate thing about these types of experiences is that you can go down rabbit holes you just spiral out of control and there's some degree of that's anxiety catastrophic yeah. thinking but I just ended up walking around the shop looking at all the artwork saying thanks very much for the tea and then I left and everything was fine and then started <laughs> tripping balls on the ride home <laughs> <laughs> I really like Yogyakarta. Did you visit the chicken church when you were there? Not from memory. The chicken church is like out on the outskirts of the of, of Yogyakarta. And it was built by this guy who had a vision that he wanted a place of worship for all faiths, all non-denominational religions, a place where Muslims, Buddhists, Christians and Jews could all worship together under one roof and he built it and everyone was just like oh, that looks like a chicken mate and he was like no no it's this multicultural faith church google chicken church yogyakarta and you'll see it looks a lot like a chicken <laughs> now i want to go back also in yogyakarta as well to get off the topic of scams have you heard this was one of those moments that came full circle when I went traveling. There's a place in Yogyakarta, a park called Alun Alun, spelt the same as my name, A-L-U-N-A-L-U-N. And it's two trees in this park that are side by side. Right. And there's a game that the locals play where they stand at one side of those two trees, yeah. close their eyes and try and walk through those two trees with their eyes closed. And it's good luck if you make it all the way through. But hang on, how far apart are the trees? A few metres apart, let's say. Oh, okay. But you stand far enough back that as you're walking, most people sort of deviate one way or the other and don't make it through the trees. So it's supposed to be good luck if you can go straight through the trees. That's pretty cool. And I remember typing in my name on like Google Maps or something as a kid and seeing Alan Allen, and then I arrived there by happenstance. It was really awesome. That is awesome. 
But you didn't hang on. You didn't do it though. Oh, did it? Yeah, absolutely. Did you make it through? Oh, mate, first try. Really? Yeah, first time every time. And then I told a local. I said uh, it was one of those funny moments where someone like clapped and went, "Hey, you made it through." And I went, "Oh, it's really cool because my name's actually Alan, like the trees, Alan Allen." And he went, "Ha ha ha!" and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he understood or not, but it's quite cool, hey? That is quite cool. I want to go back to Indonesia now. Let's go to Alan Allen together and try and walk through those trees. And try and rebrand it, Alan Adam. Yeah, <laughs> the tropology trees <laughs> in Yogyakarta. That's what we Tree-pology. like Tropology, Tree-pology. I'm here all week. Adam, any more scams that you want to mention? I have got one, and it is a little bit dark. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this, actually, because I wonder if if there are people listening to this who have been scammed by something similar. It would be really interesting to hear their take on it and their stories as well. So a couple of years ago, I was in Vang Vieng, which we all know is in Laos, and it's also very famous for tubing. Yeah. We'll have to do an episode on tubing. That's a good story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really popular backpacker pastime. But anyone who knows anything about that region, that area of the world, drugs are rife. Very much so. I mean, in particular, Van Vieng, known for the prevalence of psilocybin. Yeah, you can buy drugs off of a menu, whether it's marijuana, whether it's mushrooms, whether it's even opium around those parts. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, there are lots of scams, let's say, that are kind of that involve drugs and the local police and local bars and restaurants and things like that. And it's a big shame. I guess maybe it's important to say at the beginning, maybe the safest thing to do is just to not get involved in any of it. Is that fair? Yeah, always worth (laughs) saying that. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think obviously it's going to happen. People do it. Travel and drugs do happen together. People get involved in that stuff because they're in a place where it's more legal than back home. Always best not to get involved in drugs when you're traveling, though, isn't it, really? It is unsafe. It is risky. It is, and you don't have a leg to stand on if you get caught. Yeah, I don't want to be like, uh, oh, look at that That guy's been traveling for 10 years, and now he's saying don't do drugs when you're traveling, but it's not that good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, so, the story. There I am in Vang Vieng of an evening, go to a local bar, and it's me one of my friends, and then this uh, young English lady as well. And we sit down in this bar and we get a happy pizza and a couple of mushroom milkshakes. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, a happy pizza is a pizza with magic psilocybin mushrooms on it. And the mushroom shakes also have psilocybin mushrooms in them. Yes. So we were about to get sideways. And I'm glad you I'm, I'm glad you explained that, Alan, but you would have thought that people listening to this podcast specifically and people who are fans of our artwork, they might have been able to work out what was on the pizza and what was in the what was in the milkshake. Yeah. Some of our fans right now are on magic mushrooms <laughs> and our artwork is like a kaleidoscope <laughs> of elaborate wonder. Yeah. So I shared both the milkshakes and also the pizza with the girl that we were with. And my friend, the guy, he didn't touch any of it. It's really important to say that at the beginning. Yeah. We finished it all. It was fine. And then at the end, when we paid the bill, we paid the bill sitting down at the table. There was a server in the bar. They came over, gave us the bill. We paid the money. And then as we went to get out to leave the restaurant, we were confronted by someone else at the front of the restaurant. And they said, oh, you need to pay the bill. It's going to be X amount. And we said, no, we've already paid. And they said, no, 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 you haven't paid. 
you need to pay for the mushroom uh, milkshakes and also the pizza. And my mate that I was with who didn't touch any of it, he said, what are you talking about? We've literally just paid that guy and pointed at the guy that took our money. And they said, no, 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 you don't understand because you've been taking mushrooms and you're tripping and, you know, everything's going crazy. You think you've paid, but you haven't actually paid. You need to pay. And we were all like, what are you talking about? We feel fairly normal and he didn't touch any of it. We've definitely just paid that guy. We're leaving. And as we went to leave... The manager of the bar stopped us. Then some guys came out of nowhere. They were going to stop us from leaving if we didn't pay again. And it was absolutely ridiculous. There was even an English guy working at the bar who tried to convince us that we hadn't paid. Oh, that's awful. And I was sick to my stomach. I remember saying to him, this is an absolute disgrace. You're you're involved in this. Started singing Royal Britannia and crying. (laughs) And then uh, he came over and he was like, look, guys, you've got two options. You pay again or you try to leave and the police will turn up. And And you're on mushrooms. Yeah, and it's it's not going to be good. And I just remember feeling sick to the stomach. I was just so angry with this guy. It really, really wound me up. So we ended up paying again. It was a bit of a shame. But we then we left. And I remember seeing that same guy at a jungle rave. So there was this big party in the jungle a couple of days later and he was there behind the bar serving drinks and he wouldn't he wouldn't look me in the eye. Wow. I was like trying to order drinks off him and he was just like I just wanted to chat to him about it and, and figure out what the hell was going on because I was Did he know that you wanted to talk to him about it? He just he saw me and then sort of put his head down and then he walked off and then you know I'd come to the bar when he was behind the bar and try and chat to him and stuff and he would just walk off and not make eye contact and then I wouldn't see him for you know half an hour and it was just so frustrating that there are other travellers involved in those sorts of scams. It's awful, isn't it? That is truly very, very upsetting. I wonder what that guy's story is. How did he get to work at that bar and get involved in that? Does he feel bad about it today? If you're that man, write to us at tropologypodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at tropologypodcast. I went to that same place, probably. I mean, I went to a place in Van Vieng that sold mushroom happy pizzas and shakes. Yeah. And I was sat across the way from a Japanese guy who was ordering, he ordered a mushroom pizza and a mushroom shake all to himself. And I thought to myself, does he know that those are psilocybin mushrooms or does he just think that he's gone to a restaurant and he's ordering like (laughs) mushroom (laughs) types? Yeah, exactly. And and, um, my question was answered when 15 minutes later I looked over and he was, head was buried in that pizza. He's face down on the table having a, proverbial whale of a time (laughs) that's amazing yeah so you think he probably knew then he was there for a good reason i think he didn't know and he thought god these portobellos are really cracking off (laughs) (laughs) i think it came as a shock to him when the room started spinning but there you go be assertive protect yourself but don't worry about scams too much wear a money belt and think about your cash when you're on the streets and just be a bit savvy when people come up to you and you think hmm does this seem quite right would this person really want to drink tea and karaoke with me to learn their English or is there probably something a little bit more unusual at play always know the approximate price when you're getting in a tuk-tuk or a taxi at the place you're about to travel to and for goodness sake just be careful out there it's a real crazy world but a beautiful world it's vibrant and colorful and packed with wonderful experiences adam have you got anything else to say never trust anyone wearing a fedora
Tropology Podcast. We'll be back next week with all kinds of tales from travel, tales of the road. Thanks so much for listening. Tune into the Lost and Found section if you're a Patreon subscriber. But for now, the present is bearing down on me and I'm going to blast off into a more bright future filled with levity and joy. Adam, will you come with me? Can't wait. Let's do it, mate. Oh, let's go then. Bye! Bye.